I couldn't be more excited about what we're doing and you know we we dedicate our lives to this we we live and breathe this we we want to share our same level of excitement with everybody else about all these films that we decide to put together and put out there so i i hope for for years to come we're still able to have the same impact that we're currently having now with it that was nick jones describing the power and passion that he has for the fly fishing film tour a big F3T bonus today on the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, how's it going today? Thanks for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show. We're doing some new uh, live podcasts on the new Clubhouse app. If you haven't checked it out, you can head over to uh, wetflyswing.com clubhouse and find out there how to get an invite so we can get you on and listen to the show. We're doing some cool stuff, um, working with Roger uh, at the uh, Ask About Fly Fishing and uh, with Mark over at uh, Fly Fishing 97 Podcast. So we're teaming up to uh, host some cool live uh, programs over there. So check it out. Be great to see you there. Um, Nick Jones and Paul Nicoletti are here today to shed some light on the 2020 Fly Fishing Film Tour and, and the whole history of the tour, which has been going on for quite a while. We find out uh, how it all got started with the Trout Bum Diaries, how Warren Miller is involved, and uh, and my favorite film this year, uh, Hint. It's about a connection with a famous guy who shares a birthday, uh, the same birthday as me. So who's, who's super famous? And, uh, and we share the same birthday. That's what this film's about. And uh, uh, it's also An- Ansel uh, is, the, is the main actor. So uh, lots of great film clips and stories today. So without further ado, here is Nick and Paul from F3T. How's it going, guys? Awesome, man. Good to hear from you, Dave. Thanks for having us on. We're doing well. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for making the time this morning to do this. This is uh, this is actually something I'm excited about. I've been wanting to connect with, uh, you know, the tour for a little while here, and I'm excited to hear the story and, and what you guys have going this year. Um, before we get into all the fly fishing film tour, can you just both start off just with a quick little background of how you got into fly fishing and how you connected on this on this film tour? Yeah, Nikki, you want to go first, man? Sure. I think your story's better than mine. <laughs> wow, no, they're <laughs> just different stories. Um, I got involved well with fly fishing i'll keep the story short i i graduated from the university of san diego in the winter of 2008 and took a job as a outdoor education teacher on catalina island and i worked that job for four years and had got into spear fishing and became a dive instructor and adora had opened up through a, a small little mom and pop resort down in the very southern tip of baja and I had moved down there for two years to work as a spearfishing guide. And up until that point, I'd never really fly fished. And I had met a guy down there. Uh, his name is Jeff Fezco. Uh, he came down to help start a fly fishing program for the place that I worked at at the time. And we ended up hitting it off and we're driving up the coast together. And he wanted to go fish for rooster fish. So I took him to, you know, knowing nothing about fly fishing took him to a beach i knew there were rooster fish at just through being in the water for eight hours every day and it was my first like true experience with a fly rod we had each caught like a 35 40 pound size class rooster fish from the beach with no bait it it was such a cool day it was just it it was a life-changing experience and you know because of that this guy said yeah you're gonna you're gonna be a fly fishing guide now like you're gonna come up to alaska with me like (laughs) this is crazy so that's how it started for me i like three four weeks after that whenever it was i drove up to southeast alaska and you know without knowing how to tie knots or cast or anything i started guiding steelhead and he kind of took me under his wing and yeah got me off and running amazing so how did you and where were you at for steelhead What, what rivers were you on um, this was out of the town of Sitka, Alaska. Yeah. So there's two town creeks that we fish, Sawmill Creek and Indian River. Uh, Sawmill Creek, on a good day, you could go and catch. It's a it's a very short section of this creek, and it's in a canyon. It's really, really cool. Like technical hiking to get to each of the spots you can fish. 
But if you, you know, you catch it in the spring when all the steelheads start to go up to spawn or before they spawn, like when they start to come in the rivers, you could go and catch, you know, five, six, seven, eight fish in a four or five hour session. It's wow. really cool. You're fun fishing. Well, that's cool. And then when you were down there, so, I mean, it sounds like you were going for spear fishing, and I mean, it's amazing the fact that you're kind of down there going for this. Also, you find yourself up guiding in Alaska on, on the fly, right? Was this fly it fishing? Was, it, it happened in the blink of an eye where I was a spear fishing guide, and that was like kind of what ruled my life. I, I experienced so much personal growth down there. It was unbelievable. You, I could I could talk for an hour on just how much yeah. I had learned as a person from doing that. And that kind of defined my life. And then I caught this rooster fish and he caught the rooster fish. And that again was like another defining moment that was like, I am not a spearfishing guy anymore. I, <laughs> I now am a, am a fly fisherman, even though I wasn't, it's yep. kind of funny how you, the mentality oh, yeah. of make it till you make it. And that's right. That's it's it. well, just all of a sudden, like my mentality had changed from like, oh my God, this is my new thing. I love this. And it kind of grew from there. That's cool. Well, 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 if we have time, well, we'll make the connection here if, as we get into this. But um, yeah, maybe, um, and Paul, maybe you can jump in and just tell your little your story as well. Yeah, I mean, I'll try to keep it real quick. I, I think Nick and I are both unique in the sense that um, we've always had a passion for teaching and we've both studied uh, fisheries and or, you know, some sort of environmental studies when we were in college. And when I was younger, I just got into fishing because my friend Elliot, uh, still one of my best friends to this day, used to show up to eighth grade class with like a giant backpack full of like hard back Cabela's catalogs. And we would just get in trouble in the back of the class and look at all the different rods and, and, and lines and reels. And, nice. you know, it's going to have a field day in the back. And, um, I got to study fisheries at the University of Montana. I was a whitewater raft guide for a bit and um, did some fisheries technician work in Montana at the state of Connecticut, uh, taught AP environmental science for a bit in Wisconsin and decided I had to go do some more exploring, which is when I ended up guiding up in Bristol Bay, Alaska and how Nick and I originally got to know each other really well. Oh, um, there you go. Yeah. So we, we got to kind of um, really get to know each other when we were, you know, fishing up in Bristol Bay and driving jet boats and flying in the same planes. And um, obviously working with Nick was such a pleasure. I mean, he's such a humble, amazing guy. Um, it was pretty easy for us to kind of connect um, because I had also, through my um, my job uh, and connections by knowing Ryan Thompson in uh, West Glacier, Montana, um, he got us a seasonal job working for the Fly Fishing Film Tour Road Crew, which is an amazing balance as a young person to be able to spend four and a half months guiding in Alaska. And then in the winter time from around, you know, mid January, all the way until the end of April, travel around the country to different, different venues, old theaters and put on the fly fishing film tour. And so uh, when we had an opening in a spot um, last year, I gave, I asked Nick right away if he was interested in, in working on the, on the road with us. And since then we've been kicking it off together and, this year, we're uh, we've been doing some some really really unique things and and working with some really incredible people. Nice, nice. That's it. So yeah, you made the connection like a lot of people, the Alaska connection, right? That that's the. It seems like Alaska is so amazing for uh, especially fly fishing because I've talked to some people here that you know same thing, no experience with all you know at all, and they went up to Alaska to guy for the first time and you know they they made a career out of it and it sounds like you guys are on track to do that as well how did so when the F3T I mean it's such a huge thing right I mean this is like the biggest thing in the fly fishing space so I mean how did how did you guys get to where you are now I'm not sure what your current roles are, are you guys like uh, co-owners or how's that all that look Yeah so um the the fly fishing film tour this is the 15th annual year of the tour um it started back in the day with the original trout bum diaries crew so bad robinson jay johnson uh, chris owens and these guys um would drive and go on these crazy trips and they would film their fishing and that kind of led to some of the the first well-known fly fishing kind of documentaries at the same time tom by who now runs the drake magazine um, was working at uh, Ski Mac, and he had recognized that there weren't many people making fly fishing films. And he started with the you know five minutes of Drake's fly fishing, and 
after a while, all these people starting to realize, wow, you know, people really love these fly fishing films. It's just like skiing. And so the bosses that I originally started to work with, Doug Powell, Chris Keg, and Ryan Thompson, had basically taken the, the Warren Miller, which if you're not familiar with it, it's the longest standing ski and snowboard film festival in the entire world. Yep. Uh, Warren Miller literally used to host in-person film showings about skiing before there was ever sound incorporated into films. Hmm. So he would live narrate on stage. And so they've been running this film festival forever. You've got this amalgamation of all these amazing people like Tom and Thad and Chris and Doug and Ryan and Keg. And they took this model of Warren Miller, putting on these shows on the road and traveling from one venue to the next. Uh, and this idea of an independent film festival where you take different kinds of fishing, freshwater, saltwater, films more based on comedy, and put them together and use this model and started basically traveling around the country and putting on these shows and started off, you know, with a bunch of guys living in a van down by the <laughs> river, traveling around being, you know, true, <laughs> you know, true um, trout bums and yeah. just fishing bums putting on these shows. Um, they incorporated uh, working with a lot of different conservation nonprofit partners. It turned into this amazing kind of wintertime celebration of kicking off the fly fishing year by watching these films. And, I'm sorry if that was kind of a longer explanation. No, it's great. Ultimately, where we're at now is over the last couple of years, um, the Fly Fishing Film Tour, which was kind of an independently owned business by those three original owners, um, was sold back to Warren Miller, um, oh, wow. which is right now currently owned by um, Pocket Outdoor Media, and we're rebranding our name to Outside. So we own brands like the Yoga Journal, Beta Magazine, Climbing Magazine, what used to be uh, known as uh, Rock and Ice, Warren yep. Miller, uh, Outside TV, and all these amazing brands, and the Fly Fishing Film Tour is um, basically, uh, you know, it's something that Nick and I have been a part of um, for a while now. And so Nick is the production coordinator, and I'm the F3T manager, and together we um, manage most of the, if not all of the grassroots uh, relationships with about 100 fly shops and like 300 uh, nonprofits, I guess you could probably say throughout the year if yep. you include individual chapters. And um, yeah, wow. sorry to drag on there. No, but, that's cool. That's awesome. I'm glad you did that. I think, um, I mean, it's, yeah, it's it's actually much bigger than I thought. I was thinking, yeah, maybe it was a little smaller, you know, kind of guys were passing on to the, you know, who wants to buy the, the F3T next. But yeah, this cool. is a mega and talk about outside. I mean, I saw that on the logo. Um, when you, we were talking first, I was like, wow, because outside that yellow logo instantly, you're like, okay, this is, uh, yeah. this is, this is a pretty big thing. Right. So you're basically remind me again now. So po pocket outdoor media. So that's owned by outside or is it, it's all kind of connected. Yeah. So actually the, the, it's a really interesting kind of thing that's happened over this last year. Um, technically, um, so Robin Thurston owns Pocket Outdoor Media, and he kind of loves the idea that we have all of these different outdoor activities like, you know, backpacking, rock climbing, skiing, snowboarding, cycling, triathlon, fly fishing, skiing, snowboarding, blah, blah, blah. And there's not really one place where they all kind of come together and they can kind of complement each other. And so uh, as of a couple of weeks ago, uh, Pocket Outdoor Media acquired Outside, um, so Outside TV, Outside Magazine, Gaia GPS, and so together, we basically doubled the size of our company in uh, just about one day. And together, we now have this really extensive network of some of the most unique editorial writers in the country. And we're also one of those unique brands that's really kind of keeping print magazines alive, which is which is cool because over the last five to 10 years, we've seen a major decrease in people's likelihood in getting a print magazine subscription. People are going digital. Um, but yep. we have this, yeah, this really, really cool network, all of these incredible editors in all these different fields and uh we are super grateful and lucky to have the opportunity to be working alongside all the amazing filmmakers and fly shops and conservation groups in the fly fishing space and everybody yeah and i think uh yeah if we have more time maybe we'll dig into a little more of the history i did want to just touch base on you mentioned there, I mean, the film, it seems like that maybe is the challenge. I'm not sure how all that process works because you guys have this year a bunch of films. I watched most of them and, and they're all awesome. You know, they're all, you know, inspiring and it's it's cool stuff. I mean, but like putting it together, choosing them, I'm not sure how that process works. So, so walk us through like this year, you got all these films, you got some short films, some longer ones. 
How does that process work of uh, getting the films there? Who's doing them? How many are you guys choosing? Are there a lot that are getting left out? Nikki, you want to jump in on this one, man? Yeah, we'll uh, we'll tag team it as we go because you're gonna you're gonna be able to speak to it just through your involvement in the process. So the kind of short answer to your question, Dave, is we Paul Sanford and myself, uh, one of the other guys that we work with, we guided with him up in Alaska. Another another kind of core person in this group will receive all the film submissions and sift through them, and we get lots every year i don't know what our exact total was this year but it, trust me it's a it's a difficult process navigating mm-hmm. through the amount of content we get only because we get so much good content and we can only put so much in the tour so it's like it's like putting together a puzzle hmm. you know we maintain pretty close relationships with a lot of the filmmakers that submit films just be it through you know, simple communication about the process or, you know, helping, you know, helping essentially edit the film to not necessarily change it, but just, you know, tweak it in little ways to, you know, to get to a point where we know it's, it's going to have mass appeal, but it's the short answer is Paul Sanford and I select the films and then, you know, go through, what would you say, Polly? It's probably like a, it's honestly like a two month process trying to figure out what order they go in and what films we're going to have in. And because it's synergy, right? Like we get yeah. a lot of amazing content, but if it's, if it's disjointed and they don't watch well together, because you have to think in a normal year, we're putting on these shows in theaters where people are forced to sit and watch through the whole thing oh, right. at one time, you know? So we have to make sure that it's put together tastefully enough that when people sit down to watch it, it's a full viewing experience from front to end, not just, you know, a bunch of single films that, you know, people, as soon as someone loses interest, they're out, you know? Yeah. And this year is obviously a little different for us because people have from, you know, we went live on March 10th and they have until April 4th to watch the films at their leisure, which, I think for everybody who's participated thus far in the the 2021 F3T is, is a really cool opportunity to really get to absorb the content. Yeah. And, and, and to add what Nick is saying to there, Dave, um, you know, at, at, for me, I think the film process really started last April. Um, you know, there are, we're an independent film festival, just to make that clear for anyone listening. So um, we don't necessarily make films. Uh, last year, before I was officially the F3T manager, I had gone down to the Bahamas and made a film with um, some of our really good friends. And so I do have some experience um, making films. But for the most part, what we're doing is is it's a really challenging job because we want to create a theatrical film lineup of films that we didn't create. And making films isn't easy. And, and the level of involvement that some of the filmmakers take into creating these pieces are, it's absolutely mind boggling. Um, you know, some of the filmmakers have gone through over 30 different versions of their film to get it down to about nine minutes. Wow. Where most filmmakers like to submit their films between nine to 12 minutes is kind of the sweet spot for the F3T. But a lot of people are going to come in with films like 15 to 20 minutes or longer. And our goal as you could imagine, is we're trying to reach every different audience around the entire world with these films. So we want a really nice mix of fresh water, salt water, domestic films, you know, films that people can relate to here in the States, but international films to represent outside fisheries and unique stories. And um, with that, including, you know, just, you know, diversity and women and comedy and there's, you know, youth too. This last year, we just created the Lefty Cray youth film category. Oh, Um, that's right. And, and so it is such a, as, as you can imagine, if we're getting, you know, a hundred or more film submissions every year um, and not, and we don't always get them at the same exact time to try to pick a lineup and, you know, to work with these filmmakers and give them hope, but be realistic about the expectations of what we have to do to create a product that's really the best for the audience um, is it's not an easy process. I've sent, I bet I, at least over 500 emails, I would say closer to a thousand emails from last spring, all the way up until a couple of days before the actual films dropped, 
working on the films, um, getting, you know, getting creative with it. Um, you know, this year we added um, more films than ever before. Hmm. Typically, we have about 10 to 12 feature films that we put in a theatrical lineup. Mm-hmm. This year we have 12 feature films and we have nine short films. And and so, you know, we're always trying to do things that are different. You know, we, we want to give people as much like crazy fishing action as possible. We want to give people good laughs. But we also want to give people films that have meaningful stories. And we've kind of seen a little bit of a shift towards more story-driven films because it doesn't matter if you've ever fished for a smallmouth bass or a giant arapaima in Guyana. You know, if the story is good and the characters make sense and people can relate to that fishery because of the people and those interactions that they have, then it's something that people are going to relate to, people are going to love, and then ultimately people are going to enjoy the whole ride. Yeah, that's cool. That's good. And, I, and I think of myself as the example of, you know, how, you know, how it works for, I, I can see why this thing works because for me, I haven't done a lot of, you know, I haven't been to Africa, you know what I mean? I haven't been to some of these amazing places, but I, I love to, right. But 10 years ago, I didn't, I didn't care about any of that. Right. I was focused on local, but it feels like I've gone through this, you know, this arc, right. Of my own where I'm coming back. I mean, do you guys think most people in the fly fishing space, if they stay in it long enough, they all, come to want to get into the saltwater game or you know what I mean? those that kind of come from the freshwater do, do you guys have any uh, take on that it's it's poisonous it's toxic <laughs> once, you, once you do it yeah what happens what happens what you do what you are you pretty much do you just give up on trout fishing what no i mean trout fishing is amazing and nobody <laughs> you know everyone's gonna have a different opinion but from from my personal experience and from a lot of what i've experienced with other people there's saltwater is just so much more expansive, right? When you're fishing a river, your, your space to fish is confined to a very defined area from bank to bank. And you're, you know, reading the water between that. And I will never say a bad thing about trout fishing because I'm obsessed with it. And I know Paul is, and we will, we will go fish for trout the rest of our lives, but saltwater just gives you that same rush and that same exhilaration you get freshwater fishing for trout just on a much bigger scale you you think about stepping on a flat you know you have the water fish could be anywhere around you you could spin a 360 and your mind just thinks like how on earth am i going to see like fish have to be within i mean realistically within 50 60 feet of me for me to have an honest shot and this flat is seemingly endless like how does this even work and then you know you start to walk and you start to see fish and it's just a it's a whole different cool. beast That's nick cool. got to, nick got to guide in the seychelles oh uh, wow for a year so he's he's gone through the the mix of it and i'm not trying to put you out there and give you like a crazy spotlight but it is it has been so fascinating for me to learn from nick about his experience out there because it's the longest guide season anywhere in the world um if you're a fishing guy was it how many months did you guide in a row nick it's a it's a nine month season. Jeez. I want to say it comes out to 30, 35 weeks or thirty seven weeks straight. Wow. Yeah, and it, you know, like we were talking earlier, how Nick went from spear fishing guide to yeah. guiding in Alaska to guiding in the Seychelles, and and I think the point I'm getting at here is when we have the opportunity on a normal year to travel to, you know, most states in the country to put on these shows. One of the things that we're super grateful and honestly is the fundamental foundation of what we do is we work with local fly shops um, to sell tickets and to work with those local communities and raise money for conservation. And through those events, we've had the opportunity to fish with some absolutely amazing human beings and in different fisheries. And so we've had this conversation so many times, like, what is your favorite fish to catch? And Hmm. it's so hard for us to say trout or, you know, the saltwater species. The bottom line is that if you're experiencing something new that's the beauty of fly fishing it's about the people you're with and it's about the opportunity you have to experience something new so catching for example shad in south carolina on a river where people are just trying to catch catfish but you're swinging flies yeah it's so different than trying to catch steelhead pacific northwest or you know smallmouth up in wisconsin or redfish down in rockport texas but each of those experiences are amazing when you are open-minded and willing to go meet some new people and experience some, some cool places. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Or, uh, just recently I was chatting with Carlos down at uh, Jurassic Lake uh, lodge down there. And I mean, 
Yeah, there's, that's the challenge. I think for me, that's the challenge. There's so many of these amazing places, right? I've said this before, but all over the world. And it's like, man, there's no way I can get to it, right? We can't get to them all in our lifetime. It's just, I mean, I guess some people can if you're Jeff Curry or whatever, but yeah, yeah. Uh, most of us can't. Most of us are like, okay, we can't get to everything. So we've got to like literally in our life choose, kind of start deciding what, what are we going to do here. And um, it, I mean, how have you guys done that? Like what's your, because you're in it, right? You, you say, I mean, you've been to one of the, Nick, you've been to one of the places where probably everybody wants to go. Um, how do you guys do it? When you look out at your life, you're young still. How, how do you think of where you're going to go, you know, the next, do you even think about that? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, my 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 mentality towards fishing has always been don't say no to an opportunity. And like I don't know, it, it's been it hasn't been often that we've like really scheduled out an actual trip. It's just like things come up and it's like, "Oh man, we have an opportunity to to go do this. Like let's just go." Yeah. And then you go and do it and you get to experience a new fishery. And, you know, as far as, as far as like traveling the world goes, like it's, it's not realistic. And I personally have been very fortunate, but you know what, for, for other anglers who that's not, you know, in the deck of cards, like that doesn't matter. Like you don't have to go travel to the other side of the world to have the most exciting fishing experience. And I think that kind of speaks to fly fishing as a whole is, you know, you could, just as equally have a chance at having like the experience of a lifetime, you know, in a spot that's really accessible and easy to get to as you could, you know, traveling to the other side of the planet. There's, there's obviously an allure to, to going international. The, you know, the grass is greener on the other side. Yeah, it's true. You're, you're constantly thinking like, Oh, that, you know, that's amazing because you, you can't have it. But that's what's so cool about fly fishing. Like every time you step in the water, whether it's fresh or salt, like the coolest thing in the world could happen. And you never know. And, you know, I look back on some of my own personal memories and, you know, a lot of them were so unexpected. And you think that's kind of the magic of why I love this. You just, you don't know what's going to happen. Like, I'll be the first to tell you, I'm not, I'm not the best angler in the world, but some really cool things have happened to me simply because I was there with my feet in the water doing that's it. That's right. You were putting you know? in the reps. It, <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, not even the reps, you just, you, you got to be there to be in the game. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I think the mentality for me was like when an opportunity comes up and you have the means to do it, just, just go, just do it. Like, yep. you know, Paul and I together have had like, that's what was one of the cool things about being on the road crew is that you travel across the country and it's like, okay, we've got four days between this show and this show. And we're driving by this area. Like, well, let's just stop and fish, even if it's for an afternoon. And then you do it, and it's like, oh my god, that was that was amazing. Like, that's not a spot we would have ever thought to plan a trip out to. The the road crew is. Yeah, I just think we. Uh, you guys probably know. I mean, I were you there when Elliot Adler was? I think he was helping out. Was he on the road a couple few years back? Yeah, yeah. Elliot. Elliot's a really good friend of mine. That was uh, that was my first year working on the road. Oh, crew cool, Rex. Cool, cool. Yeah, I remember Elliot came on and we had him. I try to interview fellow podcasters whenever I can, especially fly fishing podcasts, you know. And uh, yeah, so we had Elliot and we talked. He he told some of the story there. It was really cool. I um, so yeah, <laughs> Elliot. I was kind of I was actually really bummed when uh, when the Drake podcast shut down because that was such he was doing such a killer job. Um, so um, but uh, yeah, this is awesome, guys. Well. We have a little background. I mean, I think we could be just BSing here on all this great stuff forever. Um, I did want to touch on the movies because um, a little more detail there, because I think people listening, you know, maybe they haven't seen it. And I want to make sure people realize, you know, how powerful they are and, and how, you know, they should head over your way to check them out. But maybe just start off. We talked off air a little bit about my favorite thing. Can you guys talk about what some of your favorite ones are? Is that is that something you could do or just how, how, how do you guys want to frame, you know, what you have to give people an idea on the selection? I, I've got a word to explain this year's um, film tour, and it's come about through the conversations that I've had with the filmmakers as they've had the opportunity to watch all of the films together because they're so hyper-focused on their own film until it goes live that, you know, once you actually sit back and watch it, it's interesting to hear everyone's different perspective. Um, I think the word to describe this year's film tour without a doubt is wholesome. Um, I mean, the film lineup itself, I mean, we've got the Midwest well-represented with Smallmouth and Pike. We have 
probably the most unique trout footage that the tour has ever had um, on the Green River in uh, Flaming Gorge area of Utah uh, with the green fly fisher. Um, Jessica Haydall, who's a one of our one of our first female all videographers with an all female cast, has got an awesome badass film with some um, incredible ladies that are involved with United Women on the Fly casting for recovery and all these other groups that go down to Christmas Island. We we have a film that really covers every major fishery, I think, domestically speaking. So it's steelhead, striped bass. We've got short films with tarpon and permit. If you were to ask us what our favorite film is, that's really tough. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, I can, what I can tell you is that each of these filmmakers poured their hearts and their souls into making these films, and they're all unique for so many different reasons. But if you wanted me to give you a good overview on how these films are kind of different and why they might appeal to certain people, I think I would start off by saying Hardline, the striped bass piece, is a really big piece because it was a large collaboration between a ton of sponsors and a lot of people that are everywhere from Maryland all the way up to Maine that care about striped bass. I mean, they've got everything from bait and switch to the biggest blitzes you've ever seen of striped bass, but also some really important relevant messages for what the striped bass fishery is actually doing as far as conservation. Um, But that film is for the East Coast lovers, anybody that grew up fishing for striped bass or has dreamed about it, even if you're in Sacramento and you're fishing the River Delta or you're down in Georgia fishing the reservoirs, if you love striped bass, you're going to love that film. You know, Leap Year is also, you know, one of those films that a lot of people are talking about. It's an incredible steelhead film on some of the more famous steelhead fisheries in BC. Those guys had over seven terabytes worth of footage, which is, Nick, what was that, like 5,000 hours worth of filming? Yeah, it was, it, was an un, it, was, it was an ungodly amount Just, of footage that they had compiled. I We had a, a talk with Chase White, the filmmaker on that. And it was hard to personally for me to wrap my mind around how they could even with that much footage, like pick out like (laughs) shots to make a story. Like you have so much. It's it's crazy to me. Yeah. I I mean, that, that, that film is absolutely unbelievable. I mean, I think Jess's film is incredible. the, The, the Christmas Island piece. Mm, yeah, Ryan, Ryan Kelly's film on the Green River. I mean, such an amazing human being. I had a chance to go up there and kind of interview him and his family as he was going through the process of figuring out how to tell his story. And this guy has an autoimmune disease. Oh, and that's right. He hikes and 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 rows a boat every day of the year because he wakes up with this incredible pain and he's taken this challenge in his life and he's turned it upside down and said you know what i'm gonna just do something that's unique and creative and he lives in this tiny town and he goes out every day and he captures this content and learning from ryan about the time and effort that it goes into getting some of those shots he's got of these amazing trout sipping dry flies like literally the, the the entire screen his story alone is super important for people that have had similar challenges and issues. Watching him go through that was amazing. And the film came out great and hopeful, uh, really awesome film for the family as well. Yeah. Um, you know, the, a, a journey upstream with the breaker brothers, they're the winners of the lefty Craig youth film category this year. These guys are in their early twenties and they went out there and they made this incredible film about the connection between brook trout and striped bass in the Chesapeake Bay area. I mean, two 20-year-old guys with, you know, brothers, for that matter, that get along and spend, you know, months of their time pouring their hearts and soul into this film is super impactful, super powerful, awesome for anyone on the East Coast, and honestly kind of a new spotlight on some fisheries in Maryland that people don't really think about too much. Um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I and I was thinking the um, yeah. There's so many. I was thinking, like you said at the start, there's you said twelve feature uh, length film or, or, or not feature. What's the just the longer form? And then there's also uh, how many short shorts were there? Nine short films. Yep. Yeah. So there's. I mean, there's a ton. It's almost isn't it almost three hours of of uh, of content there. Yeah. So it's two hours and uh, forty seven minutes worth of content, and that includes um, the introduction, the intermission, and the conclusion, and this is also the largest raffle that we've ever had. We have $80,000 worth of prizes we're giving away. So hmm. um, as you can imagine, going from a normal film festival that's in person to virtual um, to be safe and deal with COVID has been a challenge for us. But our sponsors this year, um, 
I mean, they've been with us for so long and no matter what, they're there to support us and they go way beyond just the films. I mean, this is not just a normal sponsor plug. I mean, we work with our sponsors to find good ideas for films, sponsor filmmakers, come up with, you know, parallels working together to make sure that this thing comes out awesome. So we had a, a little bit longer intermission than normal, but I mean, it's chock full with an unbelievable amount of, of prizes that we're giving away just for getting a, a, a ticket online or That's going right. to the fly shop. That's right. And you had the, uh, and you had the huge, uh, the huge fly fisherman, right? You're, as your co, your co-pilot <laughs> there. <laughs> he, I love, uh, what, what, I can't remember. What's his name? Ben. Yeah, Ben. Ben. Uh, I actually talked to him. He's going to come on the podcast in, in a while. He's, uh, yeah, I've been hearing from our listeners, a lot of them being like, yeah, you got to, you got to get the huge fly fisherman on because he, I, I love it because he's a teacher, you know, it's a, you know, he, I think he's a guide and he's a teacher, but how did you guys end up? Why did you choose Ben to, to be your sidekick there? How'd that all that work? That's super funny. Um, actually, uh, one of the old bosses that I still stay in touch with connected me with one of uh, his close friends here in Boulder, Colorado, which is where I'm based out of. And uh, he's a huge carp fisherman. Like he drove down to Florida to pick up a flat skiff so that he could come back to Colorado on the front range and travel around and just pull around for carp. And so this last year I was working so hard on the film tour that I didn't fish as much as I normally would. And Dan was one of those guys that just go out with and fish in Wyoming and Colorado and Super fun to pull around on flats and and catch some swamp donkeys, as Dan calls them. Dan <laughs> <laughs> is this, is this total character, but he told me he's like, "Oh man, you've got to meet my friend Ben. He is a riot. Have you heard of the huge fly fish?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, I've heard of him, and I've you know I've been following him, and I've seen his videos." And so this last winter, I mean, things have been really crazy on the on our side, trying to balance. How do we go in person? How do we run this film festival? It's really been a, a tremendous effort this year. I needed some help and I called Ben and immediately I, I asked him if he was interested in, in helping me because I need someone who could also help me film someone who was really good at talking to a camera, somebody that was funny because I'm not funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it was, it took two seconds before he was, he was ready to jump on board with it. And he liked the films. I got him a screener ahead of time and mm-hmm. he likes what we're doing with conservation and fly shops. He's honestly, it, beyond his persona that he he has on camera. He's a super, super thoughtful person who really cares a lot about fly shops, small business, conservation, and, and honestly, uh, just doing the right thing and promoting the right messages. So it was uh, kind of a, a quick turnaround there. And he was an awesome person to be on set with, uh, kept me, you know, on pace throughout the two days that we had to film all of it. So yeah, yeah awesome. That's awesome. Guy. That's all. Yeah. So, and no, it's a perfect fit. Um, so, and it just remind me again on the raffle for those listening. So how, how does the raffle work? So if somebody wanted to, do they have to, they watch the, or is that already done or is that still going? No, no, it's so it's still going. So if you were to get a ticket for the F3T, you do it two ways. One, you could go to a local fly shop and you can see the supporting fly shops. We're working with over a hundred around the country and you can go get a discounted single ticket there for $15 if you wanted to. Um, most fly shops still have one, uh, still have hats, F3T hats and buffs. We shipped over 5,000 hats and buffs to fly shops, over 100 fly shops around the country. So if you were to go to that fly shop, scan your QR code, you're automatically entered into an extra $10,000 raffle from Costa Sims and Yeti. Sunglasses, the Yeti Loadout Go Box, and the new Sims Hip Hybrid Pack system. Mm-hmm. And when you go to watch the films, once you get to intermission, we have a lot of direction there, but there's just a link at the bottom of the films and you just fill out the survey um, and that's your entry form. And so if you went to the fly shop, you got entered for $10,000 worth of prizes and then you get entered into the the big raffle that anybody, doesn't matter where you get your ticket online or whatever, you get entered into uh, the $80,000 raffle. So if you get a $15 uh, ticket from a local fly shop, you support a local business and you pay $15 for free F3T hat or buff, and you get entered into $90,000 worth of raffles. Um, the raffle ends on April 4th at 11.5 okay. p.m., and we will draw the winners during the second week of April. There you go. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. So, okay, and uh, and I guess, you know, getting back to the movies uh, or the, the films you guys have there, I mean, I guess for me, you know, the one that, that kind of resonated, that a lot of them resonate. I mean, I love the, the stuff on the GTs and the, the those huge bone fish, you know, uh, which is amazing. Um, but yeah, I think, was it Anvil or the, the the Martin Luther King connection on the Bahamas? Ansel, yeah. Or, Ansel. Yeah, Ansel, yeah, yeah. So um, 
to talk a little bit about that because I think was that produced? Um, who who was the producer? Was that like a Sims film, or how did all that come together? Yeah, so really fascinating story. I I had heard about the story about three and a half years ago. Um, there have been a couple articles written about the um, small platform that you see in the movie with um, the sculpture of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And I'd heard about it multiple times. There was another person um, in the Florida Keys that had gone down there and connected with Ansel. And I tried to get in contact and ask that person in particular if they wanted to tell the story. And I tried and I tried and I tried nothing. And then um, a few days after George Floyd was murdered, I had a phone call with another filmmaker um, who I had heard pitch the same film concept to two years prior down in Austin, Texas, um, to, to a couple sponsors. And at the time things were kind of crazy and busy and the story didn't happen. And I reached back out to Shannon Vandeveer who, uh, runs Cold collaborative. He had heard about the story through Heather Harkavy. Um, Heather Harkavy's father, uh, runs Bonefish Tarpon Trust. He was the founder. Oh, yeah. And so Heather had grown up fishing with Ansel in the Bahamas, in Bimini, with Ansel, and was very familiar with his relationship with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And Heather and Shannon were friends because they had worked on some other nonprofit stuff with uh, a group called Fish for Change. And long story short, as soon as I kind of mentioned it to, to Shannon and brought it up, he's like, Paul, I've been trying to tell this story forever. This is one of my stories I've been dreaming about telling. Um, through the process of him getting prepared to even just pitch it to the sponsors, he read every single one of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s speeches, hmm. spent so much time and energy researching um, the story, connecting with Ansel, um, kind of getting a sense of who he is and really building the story so it had core credibility um, and so that people wouldn't take this story as something, anything less than what it really is, which is an amazing story, a hopeful story about Ansel Saunders connection to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And it wasn't too long before we connected with Sims and Costa and, um, you know, Rex Messing, who is uh, one of our really close, one of my best friends from high school that now works for Sims, really kind of spearheaded that effort on the Sims front. Um, and it didn't take them long at all to immediately recognize how important this story was and how quickly we had to act to make it uh, happen for this year with Shannon. And then Joe Gugina and Amanda Sabin, who worked for Costa, um, Amanda was really knew Ansel well from the days that she had fished with him on the boat. And Joe also recognized how wildly important the story was. And then the American Museum of Fly Fishing is another one of those sponsors that quickly recognized, wow, this is, I can't believe we don't know that this story already exists. We've, we've got to do something about it. And so all of these amazing people came together and raised enough money to get Shannon to go down there. Um, and it was a real challenge, honestly, just for them to get down to Bimini and to go through the process of being super, super careful, getting multiple COVID tests and, and going right. through the process. I can't even begin to explain, though, like how lucky and proud we are that Shannon and the crew at Cold Collaborative with Heather and Matt Jones and all the amazing people that he had on that film, all the time and energy that they spent down there on the island to film to capture the story and then the editing process. Um, hmm. Yeah, it was a great job. Who, who actually filmed? Was was it? Did does Sims have a team that you know that like who was the the film? Who filmed it? And then who produced it? Yeah. So the executive producers are the people that helped get the money to sponsor the film. That was Sims, Costa, and the American Museum of Fly Fishing. Yeah. Now Shannon Vandeveer owns his own independent film company called Cold Collaborative. Oh, gotcha. So he was the director and he brought together an incredible group of friends and colleagues that he works with to help film the story and then to put it all together. Uh, but Shannon yeah. wrote the script and Shannon was able to kind of see the vision of how the story could come together to give it the the unbelievable power that it has. Gotcha. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, yeah, I think, I mean, obviously we could take into every one of these films. I will put a, a note. I think there may be, I saw another podcast out there. I can't remember who it was, but I think there was like a four-hour podcast. They might have interviewed all the guests or all the uh, producers. Do you guys know about that one? Who, who did that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that yeah. was, um, I, I didn't even listen to the whole thing, but they covered pretty much the whole, uh, all the all the films, right? Yeah, so we we had a chance. I did that with them. Oh, cool. It was the, the boys from the, the SoFly podcast. Yeah, the SoFly, yeah. Yeah. And we had gotten connected 
you know, with them through a film they submitted to this last year's tour. Gotcha. Super nice guys. Uh, we we had all connected on a different level pretty quickly. They're they're awesome dudes. We we had a f- super fun time with them. Anyways, we had assembled all of the filmmakers except for two, and we were able to sit down for like these twenty to thirty minute kind of quick fire interviews with them. Um, obviously you know, Paul and I have relationships with all of them, but it was really cool to chat with them on a different level, just about their film and their experiences with it. And we we had some really fun, unique conversations. One of the standout moments to me was talking with uh, Andy Masser and Adam Beggar with uh, Yonder Content. They filmed and produced River Tigers. Mm, yeah. And it was so fun. I mean, each of the conversations were fun. I don't want to just single them out, but there stands out to me. You know, we asked them like a favorite memory they had from filming and, you know, they had to go to Russia to film and their answers were, were so interesting and intriguing. And it was kind of a cool oh, part yeah. of those interviews where it's just, it's like behind the scenes you know, yeah. intel on what it took to make these films and and some of the hard parts about doing it and some of the gratifying parts. And it was just, they were awesome conversations to have. And yeah, they had, they had released the full block of those interviews, which I doubt anyone's going to sit and, you know, for four hours intently listen to it. But it's cool to know that it's all there because... It's That's some really it's interesting great. stuff that it's it's cool extra content for people to have access to. Yeah, no, I think it's great. I, and for me, I'm like a podcast. I, you know, I'm kind of an addict, so I, I'll I'll definitely be <laughs> listening to that over time. And it, it's just a great. I mean, for anybody listening that hasn't yet, you know, I think the thing, like you said, go to your sh- local fire shop if you can, get the ticket, you know, watch the film tour, and then you know, and then yeah, if you want to go deeper, there you go. You got all the direct, all the producers, everybody right there. That's that was a great idea. Um, Okay, anything else um, before we start to think about getting out of here? I mean, we're not going to dig into everything today, but uh, do you guys want to highlight anything else about what you have going or maybe what's coming up in the next year and, you know, the process again? Yeah, uh, before you jump in, Paul, I would just like to say, you know, this has obviously been a different year for us. For people who have been fans of the Fly Fishing Film Tour, you know, obviously in a normal tour year, like half the fun about, what we do is people get into assemble in a theater with a bunch of other like-minded people drink beer shout at the screen get excited and this year is obviously different and you know we don't need to talk about why it's different but my point is is you know for anyone who's kind of soured on the fact that you know we we're jumping into it this way first this is just a really cool opportunity for people to get to still enjoy all these films with their friends, but get to enjoy them at their own pace over a longer period of time and really intimately get to know these stories, these characters and these movies when during a normal year, they, you know, they wouldn't have that opportunity. So it's, it's just a really cool way for people to get to experience, you know, what I personally think is one of the best tours we put together from a content standpoint, the stories are just unbelievable and they all fit together so well. And, you know, we're excited for people to have access to this and, you know, it it was a different year for us and, you know, we just want people to understand the mountain we had to climb to, to get to where we are now. And we hope everybody loves and appreciates it as much as we do. Yeah. Yeah. I think they will. I think anybody that that listens or watches is going to definitely love it. Um, yeah. So, and Paul, you have anything you want to add there? I was going to also ask on, um, you know, uh, past films as well, like tours. Is there any way to access or watch stuff you guys have done in the past? Yeah. Um, I'd say like, I, I want to just reemphasize what Nick said. I mean, we're just, we're just super grateful and super lucky to have this opportunity to work with all these incredible people. And, you know, beyond just the films and the impact that they'll have on people around the world, um, you know, just reminding people to, you know, keep in, keep in touch with whatever local conservation or nonprofit groups that are in the area. And, you know, if, if you are uh, interested in checking out our fly shop map, like always remember to shop local. One of the things that has been just a, 
you know, such a clear thing to Nick and I across this entire year and our friend Sanford is how amazing these local fly shops are and, and how much they support their local communities and the watersheds around them. So to support your local fly shop and your local business, we've done everything we can to, to try to stay true to what we normally do in a year by working with them to drive business into local shops. But we hope you guys support them as well, because, you know, we couldn't do what we do if, if it wasn't for all of these incredible fly shops around the country working year round to, you know, you know, bring fly fishing into their community and, and, and maintain that as a, a worthwhile thing. Uh, there's yeah. some of the most incredible people we've ever met. Um, if you are interested in watching the previous films on our website, you can go to the download section and we have almost every F3T ever made besides the first couple online digitally that you can access through iTunes, Amazon, Google play and, and whatnot. So, Oh, no kidding. Oh, cool. So yeah, it's all, it's all there. Yes, sir. Perfect. Uh, yeah. And then, and then the people, again, going back to the, um, the fish bombs, I just want to touch on that really quickly because I remember we had a connection, um, along, God, it's so long ago now to think that, uh, but I think the fly, the, the film, uh, the trout bombs were on the, uh, the Skeena when we were doing a trip out there. I remember this was probably in like 2009, 10, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they were filming and I remember connected, but that was my first thing about the trout bum, that whole thing. But those guys, the trout bums, uh, I don't know all of them, but are they still, are those guys all still in, out there doing stuff in the industry or do, do you know those guys? I know, I know Thad, um, and I've gone fishing with that a couple of times and I've met, uh, Jay Johnson. He, Jay Johnson still works with pig farming. If you guys are familiar oh, yeah. with, with that program, uh, the guys that, that put that together are incredible. They're, they're actually technically the official after party of the F3D. When, oh, perfect. When, yeah. Their, their iron fly events are super rad. Um, I know Thad had an awesome TV show that launched last year. Um, and I, I think it was on national geographic. I'm trying to remember what, Oh, wow. yeah. Or, I'm sorry. Animal planet. They had oh, a Animal really planet. Yeah. series that went out. Um, I'm not sure so much about Chris Owens. Um, but yeah, I think everybody's still tied into into that life in one way or another. I mean, those guys, you know, had a crazy experience. We're hoping to be able to tell that story, if not this next year, but within the next couple of years of kind of the the growth and development of the F3T, um, especially those early years were so fascinating. I mean, really, those yeah. guys were true rock stars and pioneers as far as just like bringing together fly shops and nonprofit communities mm. all across the country. And uh the whole story of how it really started is fascinating. It has yeah, some crazy, crazy it. turns, but that's it. That's a, oh, maybe we'll, we'll tell, maybe I'll get one of those guys on or get them all on and tell the story as well. That's the, that's the beauty of it, right? You guys are, you know, you're dealing with films. Uh, you know, I'm here dealing with the audio and, uh, you know, there's a place for everything, right? There's, there's always some, some yeah. good stories. So, um, Okay, well, I guess yeah. And for you guys, as you as you look at this next year and beyond, I mean, do you do you know? It sounds like you guys you never know where you're going. Do you think you're going to stick with the the film tour for a while? I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if if they'll if they'll have me, if they'll have you, exactly. No, man, I'm I'm I couldn't be more excited about what we're doing, and you know, I I tell Paul this often. I couldn't be more proud to to be a part of the little core group that we have. We have a huge team of people now, you know, through Palm that help us put this off and it wouldn't be possible without them. But, you know, our little core group that, you know, we, we dedicate our lives to this. We, we live and breathe this. We, we want to share our same level of excitement with everybody else about all these films that we decide to put together and put out there. So I, I hope for for years to come, we're still able to have the same impact that we're currently having now with it. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, and I was just going to leave it on. A, I didn't want to leave it on a a, a, sad, a bad note here, but I was just that kind of got me thinking. You know, I had a guest, and this this I think maybe this is the only time it's happened. But we had a guest on that was affiliated with another company, um, and uh, and basically we did the episode. Everything was great. Uh, it went out. All was good. You know, it was a great episode. Uh, you know, um, and, but the company came back later and was like, uh, that person doesn't work for us anymore. You need to, you know, please halt all, all promotional media coverage of that, uh, the affiliation. I, and again, I don't want to, you know, I mean, it's more of an industry thing, some of that stuff, but it's interesting because you guys are working, right? I mean, you're working with the biggest companies, uh, these amazing people. Um, what's your take on the industry itself? Because I think sometimes, 
there's, you know, sometimes a little bit of a negative. I don't see it because I'm just, I'm all positive. I think I, I usually, I don't know, maybe it's just the podcasting. I don't see any of the negative stuff really, but um, what's your guys' take on all of it? Is that just kind of so minor that it's not even anything you think about? I, just, can you be a little bit more specific? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't, and I don't want you to put you on the spot here. I'm just thinking like uh, for, you know, for, for this example, um, you know, it was kind of, it surprised me because I was kind of like, well, this, this guy just worked for your company. Why wouldn't I want to promote the person, um, who used to work for you and he did, did, you know, they did great stuff. And why wouldn't I promote that? Why is this company coming back to me saying, don't, you know, cut your, they didn't say cut the podcast out, but they almost did. Well, uh, what I got to tell you right now is that like the, the CEO that runs the company, Robin Thurston, is probably the most passionate, personable guy uh, to, to be in this position. I mean, there's a reason that he's been able to bring all of these incredible outdoor brands together. And the general manager that I work under has been working with Warren Miller for, I don't know, 30 years oh, wow. and and has, has seen this transition with the film tour and knows Tom by from back in the day when he used to work at Warren Miller. And so the understanding of what we've done over the years is a part of the F3T history. And there's a lot, a lot of pride there. And I think that this year was a really good example of anything that could have gone wrong and fallen apart would have happened this year. Right. Huh. Yeah. In, right. I mean, truly I'm telling you like the amount of effort that normally goes into launching a film festival is tremendous. But this year in particular, I would say the amount of energy and time and effort and love and passion that's gone into trying to find films in a tough year and working with these people and bringing it all together the fact that we were still able to work with over hundred fly shops and 200 nonprofits That's right. remotely digitally. I mean, Nixon, Florida, I'm in Colorado, Sanford's in Georgia. We're still able to work together and make that happen this year. And our bosses and the people we work with are proud that we've been able to put all of this together and that it's working well. And so, you know, if there was a year for that to fall apart or for anything to go wrong, I think it'd be this year. And instead, you know, we're, we're really excited to say that we've had amazing feedback on the films, a lot of love and a lot of great things are happening. And we're looking forward to getting into, you know, the rest of the year. And we're super excited to put on a full theatrical tour for 2022 and, and get back to normal, uh, assuming that, you know, vaccines are in play and, and the yeah. world's getting back to uh, its normal pace. So, uh, 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 no, and I appreciate that. And, and then if, as you guys look out, so again, back to the, uh, you know, this next year. So we're coming up on April pretty quick. So do you guys just jump? I mean, is it all year long? You're just constantly going or do you guys get a break from this at all? <laughs> we shall <laughs> see this year, man. Um, we'll see how this year goes. Right now, we're just focused on doing everything we can to make sure that this virtual event is yeah. Let's do that. Let's get rid of it. Yeah, let's finish this one up first, right? <laughs> but I mean, if you want to connect come like mid-April, I'd love to kind of fill you in on what yeah. maybe those next steps look like, because I'm sure um, as as we get a little bit further into the future here, we'll have some some interesting things to kind of tell people about. And as far as time off, Nick and I are definitely going to do a little bit of fishing here in the next couple of weeks. He's going to come meet, meet up with me and we're going to get to go fishing for the first time since last March. Um, so super excited to take not a not a break necessarily, yeah. but a, a little gap to find some clarity and just get back in touch with what we love the most. There you go. There you go. Perfect. Well, I'm excited to keep up with you guys, and definitely, yeah, I'll check back with you when you get ramp up the next uh, the next year. And uh, and yeah, if anybody wants to do it, uh, it's just flyfilmtour.com to uh, grab the uh, tour. Actually, and better yet, go to the local fly shop right and get your ticket. Yeah. Exactly. All right, guys. Hey, I appreciate your time today and, uh, you know, shedding some light on what you guys have going. And uh, and this has been amazing. I've, Like I said, I've been wanting to connect with the, the tour for a while. So I'm, I'm glad I did here. And yeah, hope to keep in touch with you and, and help you guys sh- uh, share the great messages. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. We appreciate it, man. Yeah, Dave, thanks so much for taking the time, man. We really, really appreciate it. So there you go. If you want to find all the show notes and all the links we covered, just head over to wetflyswing.com slash F. 3T. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Can you believe it? 300 episodes is next. We've we've uh, broken the uh, the 200 mark, and we are on our way up to 300 episodes. Um, would love it if you want to uh, check out the Clubhouse uh, new Clubhouse app we have going. You can listen and get your questions answered live. You can actually raise your hand, jump up on stage with some of our huge uh, expert guests we have. 
So if you want to check out a new platform and, uh, and get up on stage and, and join the, 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 uh, the group there, uh, head over to wetflyswing.com slash clubhouse and we'll get, we'll get you started there. Uh, that is pretty much a wrap today. I uh, want to hope to uh, see you on the next show and hope you're enjoying this. Uh, thanks again, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com. And if you found this episode helpful, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes.